Take years. me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those days are gone now. Who the f is Mike Young? Would like to thank our incredible sponsor, Blue Team. Ain't nothing funny about a commercial disaster or renovation project. Blue Team handles all aspects of construction, roofing, and disaster recovery for commercial property owners and operators throughout the U.S. No company comes even close to Blue Team. Blue Team handles the projects from start to finish so our clients can focus on running their business, and that is no joke. Call the experts at Blue Team at 855-522-2583. Blue Team, anywhere, anytime. Welcome to another episode of My Mom's Podcast. Maybe that's the name of it, My Mom's Podcast. How's that name? Do you like it? Yeah, it's fine. You could call it some of the other moms. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ma, you've handled the corona crisis very well. I've never seen anybody less concerned, although you're being super safe and smart about it, but you're very confident, and I notice your generation it just seems tougher and more willing to deal with things. We are less neurotic than you, but that you're always neurotic. I think if you take care of yourself and you don't go around a lot of people and you do the right thing and wear a mask all the time, you'll be fine. You know, and even if you're if you get it, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to die. People no. get it. It's just like having the flu, flu. You know. Is that what you're saying? It's like having a bad. Yeah, flu. it's like a flu, and. and you know, the people who are compromised, of course it's going to be more harmful to them because they're already compromised. Right. But if you're a healthy human being, and even if you're a healthy human being over 65, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, the way they, the way they spin it on the news is like anybody over 65 who gets this is going to be on a ventilator and dead. I mean, can you believe the media? The, yeah, the media is killing this thing. I mean, they're just having a ball with it. Right. You think it's become a political event at this point? Or not, a, no, not a doubt about it. Today I saw on the news that uh, the idiot was wearing a mask for the first time ever because he went to the Walter Reed Medical Hospital. And they probably said to him, listen, if you're coming in here, your ass is wearing a mask. I mean, what do you even think about this guy? What do I think of him? Yeah. I hope he gets it and drops it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I don't. I mean, I don't do politics on this, but it is. I don't. Fun. I don't wish him dead. I just wish he gets real sick because he's. He would have. If he they had taken this down. Yeah, he he could have shut this down when he heard about it. A couple of months prior to his announcement, he kept saying it was a hoax from the Democrats. I mean, how stupid are you? What do you think that is? Just ignorance and just... I think he's a narcissistic idiot. I don't think he has an IQ above a, a gnat. Growing up, were you ever political? Was Grandpa political at Never, all? never, never. I've never even paid attention. But you can't help but pay attention to, to this guy because he's frightening. He has divided this country so that the reason there are people rioting in the streets is because of him. Right. You know, I'm not saying that 
there's never been an issue with black and white and pol uh, police brutality and everything, but he's taken it up to the next, le next level. Because of his disregard for humanity. He doesn't care about people. All he cares about the stock market and if it goes up and, and he'll look good. Right. You know, he doesn't realize he's not the reason it goes well. Right. At all. No. Yeah. You know? Now we're in a weird spot. Do you, <clears throat> you were, you were home when the 67 riots hit? Uh-huh. In Detroit? Yeah. yeah. Did, when they, when the, <laughs> we'll be fine. That's just a cane. <laughs> We don't need that. When the sixty-seven, when the sixty-seven riots hit, uh -huh. were you home and watching TV, and, you, and it just popped off, or did you hear rumblings on the news, and then it went off that night, or did it happen? No, we heard it on. I mean, we heard stuff on the news about what was going on, and then when we lived, and they were rioting right close to our house, and I remember we we were on our the porch of our duplex, and I remember the National Guard flying above us in a helicopter with our guns drawn. And the little kids next door to me thought they were shooting a movie. Wow. But they were rioting and, and looting all the stores, you know. They pretty, they pretty much ruined their neighborhoods because they burnt out any store that they could shop in. And we had a housekeeper who was great, and she lived in the, you know, in the city, city, like on 12th Street. And... She'd come to work, and she would have to grocery shop in our, where we were on Seven Mile, and schlep them all the way there. Or my dad would take her home, you know. But uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Do you remember feeling like scared at that time, like when the riots were going on, like the tension and? Yeah, because it was scary. Because I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never heard anything like that. You know, it was frightening. And I was, um, yeah. You were a teenager. I mean, no, I was 20. married. In 67, yeah, you were married for a couple of years then. I was married for a year. Yeah. Before I had kids. Right, right before I was born. Yeah, was, we were on, uh, yeah, we lived right down the street on um, Orchard Lake, uh, Orchard Lake, uh, Outer Drive in uh, Greenfield. Could you hear stuff going on? Oh, like, yeah. Besides, the, like, were you hearing, you know, guns popping off? No, 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 no. But what was Dad doing? Well, first of all, there was an 8 o'clock curfew. And one night we were sitting at, standing on our porch with our neighbor, and the National Guard came by in, on, the, on the street. You know, they had uh, tanks coming down the street. Wow. And they said to Dad and our neighbor, it's 8 o'clock, you got to get in the house. This is no joke. So everybody got in the house, you know. And was that, the, was, is that what sparked... The, the white flight? White flight oh, out absolutely. of Detroit? Absolutely. Anybody who could get out, got out. That was definitely the initial mm -hmm. fire incident that everybody started moving to the suburbs. Right, right. And then Detroit was never the same after that. No, they never rebuilt. They never, they never rebuilt until Dan got there, to be honest with you. How crazy is that? One of the greatest American cities of all time mm -hmm. didn't rebuild until, whatever, 50 years later when Dan Gilbert put his own money into the right. city. Did you go to school with uh, diversity? Was there black oh, yeah. and white kids in, uh, yes. in at Mumford? Oh yeah, yeah. A good a good a mix. good number and really great guys, really great kids. Because a lot of the people, the kids came from Detroit, you know, and they moved into our neighborhood because Mumford was like the number one school in the country almost. That's why right Mumford 
in Beverly Hills Cop, that's what they, he, Eddie Murphy wears the Mumford shirt because Jerry Bruckheimer went to Mumford. Right, right. Right. Did you know it, that the, what was it, like 4,000 kids in your school? 4,000. 1,000 in each cra uh, class. So do you think... I mean, I graduated with over 900 kids in the class. Oh, my God. So uh -huh. you could never have known everybody in your class. Like, we, no. we, we I had 250, and I didn't know everybody. No, you, you, had, you had 402. I did? Uh-huh. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Where'd I get 250 from? You made, you made it up. <laughs> <laughs> going to Mumford, did you know at the time that you were going to, like, a great school? Like, did you appreciate, like, going to a cool, diverse school? Quite honestly, I had never thought about it. Well, I did think about it because Mumford had a reputation of being very snobby, very, you know, a lot of rich kids. They called it the Cashmere Club, and they had fraternities. In high school? In high school that were not legal, but they all had them. Really? Yeah, yeah. All these, you know, fancy kids. Yeah. So Dad must have been a hell of an athlete to make that team and be a star on that football team with that many kids. Oh, Dad was. He was, he was, he made all city all the time. I mean, he was, he was a great athlete. Did everybody at school know him? Oh, yeah. That's why you, we know so many people. It wasn't because of me, it was because of Daddy. Right. My yeah, dad and all his friends. I, <laughs> Rob and I were talking today. We just love old school jock guys, like our neighbor here, Bill. Right. Coach at where Marquette. Uh huh. Coach basketball at Marquette. <clears throat> you talk to him and he's just like a locker room guy. Hey, right. Mike, how you doing? <laughs> Good to see ya. Yeah, how you feeling? You know, I'm not. I got a little diabetes at 80, <laughs> but I'm bringing it down. Just real guys. Those are like real character guys. For sure. When the riots popped off during this whole situation and the Black Lives Matter movement and you saw what was going on, was it reminiscent of what you saw happening or was there a whole different element here because of all the Antifa and all the different weird groups? Well, I, I, think, I think the people who actually were protesting were doing a great thing because they're right. They're not treated properly, knowing that my grandkids are, are uh, mixed, and I talk to them, and I just have, the, have to say, to have to have the conversation with them, you know, they're now 20 and, and 18, about uh, if you're driving a car, be careful where you're driving and be very cautious in certain neighborhoods. And in like one of the kids was going to Florida and they were driving down, and I said, do you not do not drive the car down south because God knows what could happen because they're nasty, yeah. you know. They are. They're nasty. Right. Racist cops. Yeah. And 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 the kids said to me, yeah, when they drive, they're nervous. They're afraid of get they get pulled over. What's going to happen? Now, nobody in their right mind should be nervous. It's the I mean, thing about our, our society. I mean, cops are supposed to protect you and take care of you. They're not supposed to beat the hell out of you for nothing, just right. because they got nothing else to do because they're a bunch of ignorant assholes. Right. But the majority of them are really good guys. You know. You, we've had cop friends our whole life. You've had right. great cops that you've known. Oh, yeah. Dusty. Yeah. And no, I have great... I mean, 99% of the guys are great guys. Yep. It's that 1% who make it bad for everybody. Right. You know, and the fact that they did what they did and they've done what they've done before to these kids, the men, men and women, 
for no reason. Right. First of all, I think when they shoot somebody, they should shoot them in the foot, not in their head or in their back, where they have to be, you know, right. killed. There's no reason to kill somebody because they robbed a damn store. Right, I agree. That's absurd. I mean, it's one thing if the guy's a manic and a killer, of, uh, killed another person, but half these people are doing like petty theft. Right. Not even, you know, robbing a gas station. So what? I mean, I don't mean so what, but I mean, <laughs> I don't no, mean so what. Listen, there's no reason to shoot somebody. Nope. You know, I mean, I know somebody who was killed, murdered, a, a mother of three kids. For Something? no reason. For no reason. Oh, right. Niece. Right. Yeah. For no reason whatsoever. Because somebody had nothing else to do. Wait, was she killed by a cop? No, no, no. no. She, she was, was killed right in, in the city. Right. 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 You know, that's one thing. You know, find somebody, that guy, and do something to him. Yeah. But don't shoot a person because they're robbing a gas station or a store or a liquor store or what. Who cares? Right. You know, cops need to be taught anger management, major anger management class. A lot of those. Deep breathing. A lot of those cops are angry and they're power hungry. And that's a sad fact of life. Right, that is a sad fact. You know, I mean, I was thrilled that when we were marching over here up north, that we saw so many people out doing that because this is kind of white, tight neighborhood. Oh, I didn't know what to expect. I was nervous going to the demonstration just because I didn't know who would show up here. I didn't know if some crazy, right. you know, racist, white supremacist dudes were going to show up and then all of a sudden me and Rob are grown men fist fighting in the middle of an up north street. I didn't know what to expect of No, it was a very peaceful, loving. Beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice because up now in this area, for the first time in 40 years of coming up here, I have actually seen mixed couples Mixed kids, kids, you know, all getting along together, which they always have. I mean, most black kids and white kids get along great. Of course. You know, they don't kids have any get problem. Along great. Right. That's the whole thing. No, but it's what the poison they learn at home are, is, you know. It's like, when does that generation end of, like, teaching poison in the house? Never, because you'll always have ignorant idiots. Right. You know. How interesting was it that we talked to white boy Rick today? <laughs> I mean, talk about somebody that got the shaft and was been locked up for 30 years. And it's not angry. Isn't that crazy? He's not angry. Uh-uh. He's, he sounds ready to get out. You can hear in his voice, like, right. energy. He's, he's coming like, out. Get, let me get the hell out of here. Let me go back to my family. Yeah. Let me get my life started over again. Yeah. He, he's got a great attitude. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I could be that up and... and uh, Willing to go? No, mentally you know? he just turned he turned a switch thirty years ago, and he just always held out hope that he was going to get out. And yeah, they, his story is crazy. I've told it on my other podcast before, but like he's the youngest he's the youngest informant in American history, and he's the longest serving juvenile ever. in America right. ever on a nonviolent drug a nonviolent drug offense. Right. They owe him a life. They owe him more than a life. I don't, you know, he's talking about doing the documentary thing when he comes out, and I'm kind of thinking in my mind, like, 
maybe you just take a beat and like don't do anything right now. Do you agree like that he should just go home or it's just cause no, they I said think... next they said next week he's going it's going to be on the cover of both Michigan Mag, you know, Detroit Free Press and the and uh, whatever the other paper is. I hope I hope they honestly tell the real story about how screwed he was by the mayor and the higher-ups in the city. Yeah, the corruption was at right. the highest level. Right. Right. When you, growing up, was Mayor Coleman Young the mayor when you grew up? No. No, it was... Only when you um, were like in your 30s. Yeah, I'm trying for to think. For a long was, time. Oh, Kobo was the mayor. Coleman? Col Kobo. Oh, oh, Kobo. Right. And I don't know what his corruption level was, but maybe uh, nothing. But everybody knew Detroit was corrupt. Oh. Uh, I mean, first of all, you had the, the headquarters of the Teamsters Union. You had all the drug dealers who were connected to the mayor, who was connected to the chief of police. Everybody looking out right. for everybody else. And what is wrong? Is your neck hurt? No, just stretching out. Yeah. All right. I'll I was, live. I'm not having. A, I'm not dying yet. No, no, you're not. I'll let you know when I die. No, let me <laughs> let me tell you this. I want to know. Very simple things. We've been recovering from the stroke for a couple of years now, and you're yeah. doing great. But you have never been that coordinated of an athlete, okay? <laughs> so what, I I'm not yelling at you, but like when I see you like step up and put your hand in the wrong place and rush through something, what is it that's going through your head that you won't just take your time? Because I'm, I'm used to moving fast, and I can't slow down. Okay, so you just you admit it, <laughs> right? So you're just admitting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to running a hundred miles an hour. I'm used to walking five miles a day. Right. So the frustration is behind, right something I can't even imagine. But you're doing great. Yeah, you are. You're doing great. But it's like uh, I want to do greater, greater, faster. Right. Well, I'm trying to like. Well, there's nothing I can do except to give you the, the workout yeah, I mean, tips that I think will help. Like every time I look at you, you're crossing your legs, which cuts off circulation in your legs. You don't want to have the discipline of just not crossing your legs. You know what I mean? Anything else? <laughs> I'm what you call a pain in the ass, pain in the ass son. I am... I put I put energy towards critiquing everybody else's life. And you're fucked up. And, <laughs> and I'm fucked up. And I have to take ownership of that. And it's like, part of me, it's like even with Rob, my own brother, I try to coach him and tell him what to do. He's a grown man with a family, going through a divorce, handling his life at a high level. What the hell do I know? <laughs> You know, what, what do I know? What, what, what is it with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Because if you point your finger at somebody else, you don't have to look at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I look at myself, though. I look at myself. I got all kinds of issues. But, okay. I, but, I, but I'm saying I should quit trying to direct Rob on what to do. No, that's nice. I'm sure he appreciates <laughs> 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 No, no, I don't yeah. think he appreciates it. I think he's actually getting sick of being around me. Because everything he says, I want to correct him and get him. Just leave something. him be. Just leave him be. He's, I'm working on it. He's a grown man. 
And he's a great grown man. He's the best. And I'm looking at him today, and I'm like, what am I talking about? <laughs> Everybody loves my brother. Yeah, that's a fact. Everybody loves him. Will he go walk for seven miles to go find Petoskey stones? Like, yes, but that's his thing. He today, goes, when you, today, when you got back from the beach, I yeah. looked in the bag. There were four Petoskey stones in the bag. Pata- I looked in the, ba- in the bathroom. They're uh, in the bathroom on the shelf. Yeah. There were Petoskey stones. I looked in the kitchen. There were Petoskey stones. I, I must have enough. I could put them on the beach and sell them. People don't realize what a Petoskey stone is. You can only get Petoskey. They are fossilized coral, coral from millions of years ago, and they only exist in northern Michigan. They're the rarest stone to find, and somehow my brother is able to laser focus and find Petoskey stones that nobody else can find. It's unbelievable. It's a gift. And he stores them all at my house. <laughs> I gave him the card to call the guy to sell them, and then he went and started thinking about it. He's like, I'm not selling them. I'm going to make a foot walk. Well, no, because the guy, he called the guy. I was right there. And the guy and only pays $2 a pound? $2 a pound. He goes, I'll keep him for that. So he's going to make a... Um, What's the thing where you step you walk on it for your reflexology? Re, yeah, reflexology board. <laughs> By the he's way, gonna good put luck. one. He said he's gonna put one in his kitchen on the front of his. Uh, <laughs> and at the, the counter. Sink, by the sink. So he could cook with reflexology. Oh please! And then he's gonna. Um, I told him to put one on his deck at the house, the new place. All oh, right, he could do that. Yeah, I said don't put it in my kitchen. How proud of you! Are, how proud are you of, of our nephews, of my nephews, of uh, Ian, they're the University of Michigan? They are, are they the special kids or what? They are the best of the best, no doubt about it. I mean, Ian's, I love it. They're at my house only almost every single day, either for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or sometimes all three. Isn't and, that the greatest? It is the greatest. It is the greatest. They're the most fun. They are the most fun. It's funny because I, I see your energy change when they come around, and it's just like a fun day at the house. Oh, it's a ball. You know, Nana, will you make this? Nana, will you make this? Will you make this? Can we do this? I don't care. I'll do anything for them. It's so funny because you don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of grandkids that have a great, that relationship that you have with them. It doesn't exist everywhere. You know, it's cute. Cause you have, yeah, because last week when I was home, I was doing something, that I, and I was on the phone doing something for some business, and, and uh, Cameron came in the house, and I said, hold on, be, he said, I'm just stopping by for a second, I only, I had a minute, so I stopped by. That was it, he said, but, hello, goodbye, and I continued on my phone. How great is that? It's you the best. Just pop in. Yeah. And they're little superstars. Yeah. Listen, my nephews are, and I'm not just saying that, but listen. I can critique my brother all day long, but they did something great with those kids because they, of course, they're hilarious. Like, the, you know, Ian's hilariously anxious. It's like you read about these kids these days, the millennials being like hyper anxiety ridden, and they are, and it's because they got so much stuff going on. On their minds. And on their minds and on their phones. So the, the attention, mm-hmm. they got no attention spent. Right. But somehow he is able to focus and get into University of Michigan, be on the dean's list four semesters in a row at Xavier, 
And he just didn't get that gene from us. <laughs> for you and your brother? Not from me. Or not from my brother. Never. I love my brother. <laughs> he, he never saw the Dean's List. Nope. He never saw the Dean. <laughs> never. He might have seen the Dean, but in another light. Right. You didn't see the Dean. Dad didn't see the Dean. No. School was not this family's no. thing. But no, Ian's a special kid, and Cameron too. Cameron is doing his thing, and he's wonderful at it. And he's just—he comes in, and people think he's this, you know, kind of tough kid because he plays great hockey and stuff. Yeah. So he comes over the house, and he'll lay on my couch, and the next thing I know, his shoes are off, his leg, his uh, socks are off, and I'm massaging his feet because <laughs> <laughs> he plays hockey, and his feet hurt. <laughs> are his feet killing him? Yeah, sometimes they're hurting, so. I, I massaged him with that that ball with the spikes on it kind of thing. <laughs> he loves it. Please. It's funny, I was reading that book, uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Uh-huh. And they talk about like the things that you give a you know, that you give an F about. Right. You know? And it's like everybody gives an F about the wrong stuff. Right. Everyone's in the rat race, everybody's fighting to scrape to the top of this and that. But it's the ordinary moments like that, being at home with the kids. You massaging Cameron's mm -hmm. feet, making him waffles. That's the stuff that life that makes life great. Is right. Your, is your neck okay? It's just stiff. Yeah, I'm fine. All right. My mom keeps stretching it out. Let me hold this. I think you're getting tired of holding the microphone. You okay? I'll just have speaking for me. All right. Well, no, you're you're you're. you're so what? All right. I'm a worried son. I'm a worried son. I want my mom to do all the proper things that I know she can do to keep improving her movement. I do it all the time. No, I know, but it's okay if I worry about you. That's my. Uh, it keeps me going. Like, you know, Ian, you know, Ian's coming up, and I get nervous. He's seen two friends, and like now, everyone's like, everybody's like seeing people and then quarantining, and then seeing someone and like nobody knows how to move. It's like you got to just keep your family tight and limited, and stay safe and smart. You know. I think with this with this quarantine thing. Yeah. Either the divorce attorneys are going to have a ball. They're going to be very rich when this is over with. Huge. And I think what I really seriously think one of the good things that it did do or has done is um, have families spend time together. Parents actually spending time talking to their kids because, you know, the, the, some of the kids who were uh, home taught, yeah, they had to be, you know, their parents had to be talking to them and, their, and the dads. And, so that was kind of a good thing, you know. Yeah. Do you see us getting past this thing in the oh, next year? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, not going to be gone. I think by probably September, October, there's going to be a vaccine for it. Yeah. You know, and by, I think by, but for sure by the election. Right. The election, it'll be all clear. It won't be clear, but it'll, you know, there'll be clear. a lot of things going. Yeah. Right. I think it's a lot of, I don't think it's nonsense. I just think it's a lot of hype. Right. Right, you can't tell me America has five times the amount of death than any other country in the world. It just doesn't make any sense. No. It, you know, and it, it is a very, we're taking it seriously, you know, and we're going to continue to be safe, right, and yeah. take it seriously because health is number one. Right. And we've got to make sure you're all right and you're good 
You know, my mom had a friend come over the other day. He sat here with a mask. We both had masks on. That was very respectful. You know, I love seeing that. And I think you're just, you're just, you're from a tougher generation, period. You don't worry about half the things that somebody like me worries about or thinks about. You just, listen, you guys are just going to get it. You're going to get it. No, I know, but I'm just saying you're just a tougher. I'm from a tough Jew family, but I'm like the sensitive son of a bunch of tough Jews. I mean, I know somebody who got it, and they were cautious as anything. So, go figure. Right. You know. Right. Oh, they don't even know where they got it. Right. I don't know where they, where they picked it up. Right. The only way you know where you picked it up is if the person you picked it up from notifies the health department or whatever, and they say, you know, did you have contact with so-and-so? on this date right you know it's like when I was at physical therapy and they called me immediately because my physical therapist got a test and he uh, tested positive I freaked out you didn't no you didn't freak out at all no because he was asymptomatic and I wasn't worried because I know how much caution they've done over there there you know nobody's looking for a lawsuit right you know, and he came back negative a week later. Right, twice. Right. So they think the first one was a false positive. Well, I told you that story about the person in Texas saying that they waited in line to get tested. Uh huh. They didn't get tested because the line was too long. Right. But they had signed up and they got results saying they were positive. <laughs> now I don't know if that's a lie or whatever, but who knows, man? Bottom line is, stay healthy. Health is number one. Stay healthy. Well, yeah, but, you know, these people, like like when they say, don't gather in large crowds, you know, and they had those, uh, all these kids in the boats, on the boats and stuff, and a bunch of the kids caught it. Well, wake up, man. Yep. Is that important? Is it that important to you to go have a bunch of beers with your buddies and, and act like fools and wind up sick? Right. You know? Right. Why can't these this generation just be disciplined and just respect the elders and you know because just keep they it think they're invincible like every other young generation. You think it's never going to happen to you, and that's that's a sad fact. I think it just has to do with the brain as a kid. the The, the kid brain thinks you're invincible. Right. Right. At least the male kid brain. The boy, like me. Even and, the women. I mean, they, those parties were with girls and boys. Yeah. But I'm just thinking back to like, I always think about like what was going through my mind as a teenager. You know, remember you told me like there was a couple yes. of years that you just... <laughs> remember you told me there was a couple of years that you didn't like me as a person? Yeah, I remember you took that class. GGI. GGI. Group Guidance Interaction. Yeah. Worst thing ever. It was for all the supposed leaders of the high school to try to help out troubled kids. Right. Meanwhile, we were all troubled, and we were all the worst kids. And I was going through a bad time. I I'll never think- forget when the teacher called me, and he said he's going to be teaching it. And it, would I approve? And I'm like, okay. So then finally, you came home a couple of times, and I was like, what in the heck are you doing? You know, it was the positive kids... And the negative, the positive leaders and the negative leaders. Yeah. And they were supposed to, you know. Help out. Help out each other. Have okay. open dialogue. Yeah. We had the drug dealers in there. Oh, my God. The gangsters were in there. They didn't want to hear anything. I don't even know what we were, I don't even know what the purpose was. The purpose was to try and um, 
get the bad kids to be good kids. Right. Meanwhile, they came around to me and they said my my biggest issue was I was easily influenced. Mm-hmm. Was I easily influenced? You think? No. no. No, I was a leader. You were a leader. You know. I was a leader in school. <laughs> a leader of what? Kids just need love at home. That's all they need. Kids need to be loved and to be felt needed. And if they don't get that, then it's going to be a lot of therapy when they get older to learn that they got value. Right. You know, because... It's a, a big problem in the city. These kids don't know that they're valuable because there's nobody at home to tell them that. You know, and a lot of the times, it's not that the, pa- the parents don't want to tell them. The parents are so busy with themselves, make, trying to make a living to get these kids going, that it's hard. Right. Right. I always think about like, I always think about what goes, what was going through my mind as a kid, like when I was doing bad things, and I always blame it, and I, it's not, I, I, you can't blame it on anything, but I literally remember having the thoughts of. After Aunt Lillian died, I remember thinking in my mind, the exact thought to me was, oh, life is short. I can't believe this could even possibly happen. F the world. I'm going to steal, fight, do whatever. I had a rebellious, stupid mentality. Yeah. But I mean, that that was the dialogue in my head. I remember thinking that, you know, and then you wake up one day and you go, all the bad things that you do, they just go against you, you know? First, when I was teaching... And I had many black kids whose families were involved in the drug war, world. And those kids, um, and they were good kids, really good kids. And they, they would tell me, you know what? We don't care what happens. We're not going to be out here after 21. So many of their contemporaries had already died. Right. You know, and that's horribly sad. I mean, it's terrible to think at 17, 16, that you're not going to be here in five years, you know? Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it, but I saw it all the time. You know, they'd say, listen, Mrs. Young, the world we live in, we're not going to make it to 21. I'm like, well, that's your choice, you know? Right. My mom had, my mom taught some of the kids whose families were drug kingpins of Detroit and the surrounding areas who later were like, you know, whatever, famous families or, I don't know. I remember going to a couple kids' houses and from the outside of the house, like it looked like a regular nothing house. And then inside the house, it was like a million dollar palace. No, here. I remember going to a couple kids' houses and like there was like, everything was made out of gold. Mm -hmm. Like the drug money was huge in Detroit because when the crack epidemic hit in the 80s, that was what everybody was selling and making huge amounts of money on. On kids. Yeah. And Detroit, if you got money, you came to Southfield, where we lived, right? So all the families that were making all the drug money, they came up to our, they moved into our neighborhood, you know, what's up, friendly neighbor, but you didn't know. I was laughing the other day, speaking of which, one of the kids that, that was not my student, but he was a kid that I know and I've known him forever, He's from a, was from a drug family, and uh, now he's a preacher. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Do I know him? Mm-hmm. Is his name Michael? Really? That's so funny. Listen, if you can't make it in the drug game, but you love hustling, you could go preach. 
He's probably a great pe- preacher, by the way. Oh yeah, he is. I listen to him. I mean, I, I, I see him, you know, do his thing. Really? Really? You gotta be kidding me. Is he right? good? Yeah. I want to watch him. Show, show me after. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, I became friends with him because mm-hmm. you knew him at your school, but right. he was my age. Right. Right. And when there was like trouble in our neighborhood, I would I, I mm-hmm. called him and got him in the car, and we went, you know, we went and handled it. But I remember when his mom came to school with his little brother. His little brother looked like he had looked like uh, she had him dressed like Michael Jackson. He was so cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he had a sister, didn't he? Yeah. Chris, the sister was my student. Right. Yeah. Right. God. All right, Ma, it's 35 minutes in. That's, oh a good, that's a good amount. You're going to have to go to bed soon. What did, what did we accomplish? We talked about corona and how you're handling it. We talked about being tough in these times and being disciplined and just, just you know, doing the right thing. Um, and uh, we talked about our nep- my nephews being amazing kids and the Detroit riots in 67 and how it just kills us to see any kind of racial injustice coming from a cop or from anybody. anybody. You know, we said that cops are usually, you know, majority good dudes and women, but every now and then there's a bad apple. You know, not all cops are bad. It's just, not, it's just a fact. But there needs to be an overhaul. An I mean, overhaul. Like in, in uh, areas like this up here. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are very, very, very anti-black. Yeah. Because my, ne- my grandson was in one of the towns here, and a guy walked up to him and said, you are in the wrong place. Yeah. He was in an area around here that's known for white supremacy. Right, right. See, that bums, that, that, that type of thing just... It just gets me going. I want to mm-hmm. go back to that place. I want to know where that then, place and was. Then, then I read in the paper that the mayor of that particular town is anti-black. He's a, a white racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it exists. Oh, I know it does. That ignorant, that ignorant mentality mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's stupid enough to, to categorize or generalize that any single one race is any which is anything right is just an idiot who doesn't know human beings well yeah if you don't know that there's good black people bad black people good jewish people bad jewish people right. good christians bad christians right. you know what i mean if you haven't lived enough or read enough or paid attention enough to know that every race has its shit right no you know doubt, what I mean? No doubt. You think I'm proud of every relative in our family? We've got federal prison in ours. <laughs> we, we've, we've got no. We've got we've got. Jew, there's a, we don't love every Jewish person growing up. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. I didn't love every I didn't think every Jew was good. There were dudes I didn't get along with in Oak Park. I told you that. You know, I looked at some of the sects of that, the different sects of, mm-hmm. of Jewish religion, and thought I'm, I'm nothing like these people. Right. You know. You think That's Bernie true. Madoff represents the whole clan? God, no. Hope, you know? So it's like you, you want to just wake people up and go, hey, man, get to know people. Right? Get to know somebody. Go talk it, to it's people. It's easier to just hate. Then you don't have to learn. Well, it's funny that you said that because I, I always say that in comedy, it's so easy. People are like, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you talk about that? I'm like, it's so easy 
for me to be funny and negative, uh-huh. to just hate everything. Right. If you have an angle of just hating everything, you can just, your, your comedy goes on forever. Right. And it's easy. You know what I mean? I can't stand this. Oh, you ever see a guy right. like this? That's easy. What's right. hard is being personal and turning it into something. Right. You know, we need to go, this whole country needs to go towards what's not easy. Yeah, you know, and what's not easy is learning to love people. Like you gotta right. just your initial thought has to be we gotta love each other and then if somebody does something to you, it's that individual person. Right. It's, it's not, not the their skin, community. it's not their community, it's that person. Right. You know? That's a fact. We need to wake it up. Alright, you're exhausted. And don't say you're not. I'm not. Um <laughs> This is what she does. She fights the flow. You ever see someone fight the flow? Will you promise me, Ma, just to start doing some deep breathing exercises that I told you about? Yes, sir. Please, write it next to your bed upstairs and just say deep breathe when you wake up. Through your nose. Like this. (laughs) Uh, All right, this has been another episode. I'm the world's most annoying son. (laughs) I can't help it. I have a psychiatrist that I'm going to call this week, actually, and get back into therapy. (laughs) And that was my mom, Gail Young. We'll talk to you later. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me back Never had to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man now. Check it out. Gotta get it down. No time getting down now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now.